Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message brought to you by John Crampton. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. Amen. Thank you, Brom. That was so good, so good. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Uh, so good for us, as Brom says, not to give out a compulsion or obligation, but out of a, a heart of thanksgiving and rejoicing. And uh, hey, that's what the kingdom's all about. So brilliant. So good for that. Um, hey, we love to pray, and um, you know, it's a great opportunity for us to join together and, uh, and to lift up particular situations and circumstances. And uh, so one of the things is, obviously, we've got spring conference coming up, and uh, there's a fair bit of work that needs to go into this. So we want to pray for all the speakers. We're going to be having a number of the guys from the apostolic team of Foundation Ministries International going to be joining us and speaking, and um, and they're also going to be joining with uh, with folks from right across the continent, and so we have about a thousand churches across the continent that are represented in the family of Foundation Ministries International, and so we get to connect with each other for the first time in history in this way, and uh, so you know this lockdown is actually having some great fruit. <laughs> yeah, so it's not all bad. So there's, there's increase. So we want to pray for connectivity. We want to pray that uh, as we're, we're dialing in with each other and that sort of thing, um, that we're able to connect. And that the Lord would speak a message that would translate into each and every country and culture group uh, that the word would come through with great power. So we want to pray that. Another thing we want to start praying for is we want to start praying for the spring rains. All right, so uh, the, the catchment area, the Vol Dam, all this kind of thing, uh, we're we needing the, the, the water levels to rise. And uh, so let's begin to pray in advance and let's call in the rain. But we want to call it in in such a way that it doesn't cause devastation. Yeah? So uh, that'll be great for us to pray to these two things. So we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in the world at this time. We thank you that we can connect via internet. We thank you that technology was prepared for such a time as this and that it can be used for good and for glory. And so we're asking that as we connect with believers and the family that's part of Foundation Ministries International right throughout the continent and even further beyond, we're asking, Lord, that there would be a knitting of hearts and minds that the word that you released during this time would be exactly what we all need in our particular areas. So we say thank you for that. And Lord, we pray for our area, our region, and we pray for the rains, and we begin to call them in. The scripture says, pray for rain in the time of rain. We're calling in the rain, and we're asking, Lord, that this would be a bumper season of rainfall. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen, amen. Super duper. Well, thanks for, thanks for joining and, uh, and praying with us today. So I want to continue just looking at uh, what the kingdom of heaven is like. And Jesus told a, a number of parables and uh, explained as to what the kingdom was going to be like so that we could get an understanding of what it was that we to be a part of, the things that we should be praying into and the things that we should be doing the things that we should be expecting, and the things that we should be working towards. All right? So we weren't just saved to sit on our blessed assurance. 
All right? We were saved on purpose for a purpose. And, uh, and so I'd love for us just to take a look together this morning if, uh, if we can move to Luke chapter 19. So wherever you are, if you wouldn't mind just joining in and, um, and opening up your, your scriptures there. And uh, in, uh, in Luke 19, it's uh, the parable of the ten minas. All right, so they're not the ten miners underground, but there's the ten minas. And uh, so we, we're going to see the, Jesus giving us some very particular instructions about the kingdom, but he told this particular parable in a context. And so he'd been talking about you know, what was going to happen at the end of the age and uh, what people should be expecting, and there'd be signs. And, and so uh, they were wondering now, is the kingdom of God going to appear like right now, immediately, at once? And so he told them this parable so that they should not think that the kingdom was coming tomorrow, that they should hold up in a cave on the mountainside with their baked beans, bully beef, purified water, their candles, because he was going to come tomorrow. No, he told them this parable that they might live differently. So I want you to listen for what Jesus was giving the instructions to his disciples so that we won't get into some kind of escapist mentality. Ho. Luke 19, from verse 11. While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once or immediately. He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, We don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money, in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your mina has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, Sir, your mina has earned five more. The master answered, You take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not sow. Uh, sorry, you take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put my money on deposit 
so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest. Then he said to those standing by, Take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. Sir, they said, he already has ten. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. Wow, pretty stern stuff at the end there. But there's uh, a lot that Jesus is actually saying to us in and through this particular story. And as we've noted early on a couple of weeks ago, that the stories, the parables, were actually very specific stories that Jesus told that contained a hidden meaning. And so to the unbelievers, to those who, who did not have the spirit who could give them revelation, it was kind of like just a story. But to us, those who are part of the kingdom, the secrets and the treasures of the kingdom has been given. It has been revealed. In other words, as we read these parables and as we dig into them, the Holy Spirit will illuminate them for us and we will be able to receive treasure that's encapsulated in the story. It's not just a really good bedtime story or you know, a little story you're going to tell your children you know, just to make sure that they behave themselves. This is not just a Sunday school kind of thing. This is something for us that we can live by. There are deep, deep, deep truths that are hidden, buried in the parables. And it's up to us as kings, Proverbs tells us, to dig it out. It's, it's our quest to actually search out and to discover the treasures that God has hidden for us. So the context here, as we noted, is that people thought that the kingdom was going to come immediately at once. Now, some of them were thinking, in fact, most of them were thinking that Jesus was going to come, or the Messiah was going to come, and bring an earthly kingdom at that time, at that point. They did not understand that Jesus came as the suffering servant and that he came to establish an eternal kingdom. They wanted Jesus to come and to overthrow the Romans and to set up a new government, a new political system. And so that was one of the things that was part of their thinking, and that's why many actually missed out on the day of their visitation. They had an incorrect mindset as to what God would do when he burst into the scene. All right? And so that was part of the expectation. But also Jesus had been explaining about the signs of the times and what would be happening towards the end of the age. And uh, the painting this morning that Trudy did for us uh, from Matthew chapter 25 also speaks to the same kind of er time when Jesus was telling these, these parables. And we'll get to Matthew 25 a little bit later. But it was this thing of get ready, expect him to come when it's an unexpected time. 
And so make sure that there's oil in your lamp, that you're ready to receive uh, your king, your, your bridegroom when he comes. Make sure that you're ready, you're prepared, that there's oil. And so there was part of this was, hey, the end of the age, Jesus was talking about you know, what was going to happen at that time, at the end of the age. But also, he spoke about how we should prepare for the coming of the kingdom. He also spoke in, in Matthew 23, 24, leading up to 25, uh, about the destruction of Jerusalem, that not one stone would be left upon another. This would be the sign, and they just, the, the disciples are kind of like, oh my goodness, shocked, because they'd just been marveling. You know, these are country boys, yeah? These guys who didn't finish school, you know, they were fishermen, and um, they, they, they were country bumpkins, you know, from Galilee, they had this thick, broad accent. It was a total giveaway. That's why when Peter at the fire, you know, when the rooster crowed three times, and the servant girl, kind of like, hey, aren't you a Galilean? Because, you know, he spoke with that Galilean accent. And so these guys weren't the brightest, you know, crayons in the box. They, they weren't the sharpest knives in the drawer. They, they were kind of like just, you know, regular oaks. And um, so... Um, you know, Jesus been been speaking to them and telling them, hey, this beautiful temple that you're admiring right now, actually it's going to be destroyed. And uh, the Pharisees got all kind of uppity because they said, you're going to destroy this and rebuild it in three days. But he was referring to his physical body, his temple. But here he's speaking about the destruction of Jerusalem, which actually took place in A.D. 70. The man of desolation was in AD 70. The destruction. What will be the signs of the times? Oh, don't go back to the city. Flee. Pray this doesn't happen in winter. Pray that you're not pregnant. This would be a terrible, terrible time. And there was a mass genocide, a slaughter of the Jews in Jerusalem. It was an abomination. This all happened in AD 70. All right, that deals a big blow to some crazy theology that they're going to rebuild Jerusalem and we're going to do all the temple and we're going to do all these things again. No, it's already happened. It's been fulfilled. All right. But nevertheless, they were thinking that the kingdom was going to be established immediately. And so Jesus gave them this parable that they might get a better perspective of how they should live in the context of the coming of the kingdom. Because the kingdom was announced that it was coming through John the Baptist, and then when Jesus rocks up, he says, guys, it's at hand. Reach out, grab a hold of it. It's within your grasp. It's within your reach. And so Jesus ushered in the beginning, if you like, of the kingdom, kingdom of heaven. And so it started with the first coming of Jesus, and it will be fully completed with the second coming of Jesus. And we're living in these last days. The last days began when Jesus walked the earth. His death, burial, and resurrection, the outpouring of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost, in those last days, Peter is quoting from the prophet Joel, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit. So the last days began with Pentecost. 
So we continue to live in the last days. My goodness, again, sorts out a couple of conspiracy theories and, and a few crazy theological notions as well. All right, the last days began with Pentecost. And we know that it did because the Bible said it did. All right. So as we live in the last days, how should we live? And so the same way that the church has been living for these 2,000 years, some people have got it right, some people haven't. And as we live for the kingdom for the next 1,000 years, how should we live? That surprised a few of you. Well, we don't know exactly when he's coming. But he told us how we should live in the last days in the interim until he does come. So we're living perpetually with enough oil, ready, because he can come any moment. But in the interim, we're not hiding away in some kind of monastery kind of situation where we're separating ourselves from the world that we don't get contaminated because that would be like putting salt in the salt cellar, in the container, and expecting the salt to flavor the meal. It's kind of like, no, the salt's got to get out of the salt shaker. It's like expecting the dough to be influenced by the yeast, but you keep the yeast all to one side because you don't want the yeast to be contaminated by the dough. No, that's altogether wrong. The yeast must mingle with the dough in order for the yeast to work throughout the whole batch of dough. So we're not pulling aside and like, you know what, we're just going to be in our little cuddle over here and, you know, Jesus is coming any moment now, so don't get contaminated by all these things. No, we're actually not on the back foot waiting to be rescued. We're on the front foot. We're actually advancing the kingdom. All right. And so um, when Jesus spoke to these guys, he gave them this parable and he said, hey, Ten guys, and they each got a mina, each of them, same amount. This is different from the parable that we're going to see about the talents or the bags of gold, depending on, on what your translation says. So each was given the same amount, and uh, a mina was uh, about three years' worth of wages, between two and three years' worth of wages. So it's a, it's a reasonable amount of money, and uh, he's giving it to them, and um, so he says, put this money to work. Other translations say, do business with this. Other translations say, occupy until I come. Occupy, do business Put this money to work until I come. Again, this is not retreat, hold off on one little side, hang in there, hope I come back before your money runs out. No, this is do business, not only that, occupy. Come on, take over and occupy. This is not the kingdom retreating. This is the kingdom advancing, take over and occupy. Folks, the kingdom of God is not retreating and we are not losing the battle. I've been on this for a few weeks now because some people have mistakenly, they've misread what's been going on with this lockdown and they've been thinking that the church is losing out, it's going backwards, it's shrinking, and the kingdom of God is actually on the decline. Well, I've got news for you. On good authority, 
from the word of God, the kingdom is advancing. In fact, since the time of John the Baptist, right up until now, it is advancing and it's doing so kind of forcefully. There's like an intention behind this thing and it's, it's, it's kind of like aggressive in its advance. This is not a kind of like passive, you know, like, yeah. I mean, just, um, I need to choose my words. So, we're here to stay. We're here to do business. Doing business means you're transacting. You're engaging. You're involved with society. You've not retreated and excluding yourself from it, but actually, you're in the heart of things. Not only that, but the mindset is to occupy Taking over, doing business, and growing and increasing. And that was part of what, what Jesus' intention was. And so the, the, the one servant who comes back and he says, listen, you gave me one mina, which is worth about three years' worth of, of wages, and I've put it to work, and um, the investments and all the business dealings and the transactions and whatever, and, um, and so here's the return, and it's ten times as much. And, and Jesus doesn't say, wow, you know, that was, uh, that was really mean of you. You know, you, you, you took money from other people. You know, you, 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 you should have actually just given it all to the poor. None of that stuff. Come on. None of that stuff. He says, listen, well done, good and faithful servant, some of the translations say. Good servant, God is praising him as good. Right? Right in the beginning in the garden, Adam and Eve, good. There is only one who is good, and that's your Father in heaven. So we're reflecting something of his nature and his character. We become a good steward, a good servant. When we're actually involved with things, we're transacting, we have the mindset. To occupy, to do business, for increase. This is part of the mindset, is on the front foot, increase. Mm -hmm. All right. Then he says, you've done so well with this thing, just with engaging with business. I can see that your heart is right. You've been a good steward. Now I'm going to entrust to you government of 10 cities. You've governed your money well. You've lived your life with a sense of increase, of growing, of taking over. Now, because you've trained in that process, now I'm going to give you the authority over 10 cities. That's amazing. Now, how can there be 10 cities if the whole earth has been destroyed? There's only one city in heaven. So I ask you, where are these 10 cities? Hmm. I think some of us need to rethink some of our theology as to what's going to happen. I can even hear the cogs ticking over the internet. Yeah. So he's releasing authority and governing out of how 
we've responded in terms of the advance of the kingdom here on earth. And as we're transacting in everyday kind of life, we're causing that increase to take place. Why? Because we're bringing kingdom attitudes, kingdom character in the way in which we are engaging with people around about us. So we're not doing, you know, corrupt activities. We're not trying to get ahead by taking shortcuts and, you know, mocking things up, price gouging, all this kind of stuff. It's none of that. There's no abuse in the kingdom, right? But as we're doing things with Christ-like character, and as we have a mindset that we're here to engage, we're actually going to see the increase coming about. Is that good? All right. How about the lazy guy? Lazy and wicked. He said, you know, you expected a return. You're a, you're a harsh man. And this sounds a little bit like, wow, is, is Jesus saying that he's the harsh man? Said, no, no, no. Jesus is repeating back. He said, you said, you knew, you thought I was a harsh man, and yet you still do it? Question mark. Okay? Look in the Bible, you'll see there's a question mark. So Jesus was saying in the parable, okay, like this was your expectation, was it? Now if this was your expectation that I would anticipate to, re to receive a return, why didn't you do anything about it? Whoa! This is a slap across the side of the head to cause us to wake up, Jesus actually is anticipating a return through each of our lives. Whoa! We don't want that kind of, you know, title, wicked, lazy servant. Anybody? No. None of us want that. So the mindset that, hey, Jesus wants a return, he wants an increase. But actually, I don't give him that increase. I actually do nothing with what is invested in me. Jesus is kind of like, you have completely missed the point and you failed the test. You know, guys, we're not to just like, hey, I can't do anything. I'm not involved in what's going on. Never. We are the kind of people who are salt, light, yeast. We're making a difference. We're here to take over. We're here to be involved in the hustle and bustle. And we're negotiating and we're trading and we're dealing and we're doing all these kinds of things. And as we're doing it, we're doing it in a kingdom way. So that the yeast of Christ-likeness actually infiltrates every area and aspect of life. It's not just, hey, on a Sunday, when we can gather in a building, hallelujah, that I behave in a particular way. Look, it's fine and great and, you know, we're happy that you behave yourself on a Sunday. But that's not the point. The point is Monday through Saturday. And we've been stressing this over and over again at Breakthrough. It's about how we live our lives every day of the week. We've been saved for Monday. We are to be those who reflect the one in whom we love, whom we worship, whom we serve. 
And as we reflecting his nature, his life, his character, so that begins to influence and impact and cause, as salt causes a, a, a delay and a stop to corruption. Oh my goodness. Imagine if South Africa truly was over 80% Christian, as some people want to claim because of a census stat. I'm kind of like, no, listen, they just, well, I don't identify with that religious group. I don't identify with that religious group. I'm in South Africa. That I must be a Christian. But do they follow Jesus? Do they belong to a local body? Are they involved? Probably not. So are they really a Christian? Mm. No. Are they following Jesus and living for him? If we were, if we truly were salt, how much corrupt activity would be able to take place in our nation? Come on. If there's no one to do a corrupt deal with, corruption will, like this virus, will burn out really quickly. You talk about herd immunity. All right? There's so much salt around. If it was 80% salt in this country... Where, how on earth could corruption thrive? It wouldn't. You got to tell, it tells you something, people. All right. So, Jesus had this expectation as he's telling this parable, an expectation that his followers are going to do something. And he says, you should at least put it with the bankers and earn some interest. Listen, the least that you could have done is just got a small percentage return. Now, the kingdom actually expects multiples of return. Multiples of return. One brings back five, or one brings back ten. That's multiples. Yeah? Not just a percentage. Oh, wow. This world system falls way short. You get five, six, seven percent interest. It's kind of like, hmm, okay. That is nothing. Multiples is what the kingdom is supposed to be returning. When we're investing our time and our energies and our efforts, all these kinds of things, and God is with us, and He is, He will cause us as we've been led by the Spirit that we're able to see the multiplication that takes place because we're kingdom people and we're bringing kingdom influence and all by itself, remember the other parable, the sower sows the seed and all by itself, boom, it sprouts up and then there's the harvest. So God is working with his people to bring an increase. All right. And so God is expecting a return. All right. There's going to be um, some increase that's going to be coming. And then he says, listen, Take away from that lazy, wicked servant who's done nothing with what I'm entrusted to him and give it to the one who's got ten. And everyone kind of like, oh my goodness, how, how can this be? You know, we, we're supposed to all have basic minimum. Really? Oh, I'm going to upset a few people. Do we want to take care of the poor? Absolutely. We'll look at that at another time. All right? This is part of the kingdom. Jesus, when were you thirsty? When were you hungry? When were you naked? When were you sick? When were you in prison? 
When, when did you, when do we do all these things? He says, you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. That's kingdom. Absolutely, that's kingdom. All right? But don't confuse our giving and our helping with like, oh, everybody's got to have the same. That's not kingdom. Listen, there's going to be a judgment, two judgments. Just to help people with a little bit of theology here. Yeah? There's one judgment separating the sheep from the goats. All right? Goats, it's bright time. Sheep, enter into your inheritance. All right? Your, your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. All right? In the kingdom. Hallelujah. Rejoice. Then, all right, now each person's work will be judged. And there will be rewards. Hallelujah. So there are rewards in the kingdom. There are rewards based on what you have done. And some people in heaven are going to have massive rewards, massive inheritance. And others just getting by as though just escaping the flames. One scripture says. In other words, there's not a lot. I mean, look. Heaven's going to be absolutely amazing in the sense of that dimension. Hallelujah. But there's rewards. There's that inheritance factor. Okay? So, we understand that not everybody gets exactly the same inheritance in heaven. Ah. So the kingdom here, not everybody's going to get the same return. Ah. On earth as it is in heaven. Ah. These are the words of Jesus. It's not a socially popular gospel. But this is Jesus giving us instructions, insight. How are we to live in the last days? Do business. Occupy. Put this to work. Go about your business until I return. You are here for increase. And the guy's got 10. He's going to get even more. Now, time is up. I was going to also now move across to Matthew chapter 25. But we don't have time for that now. Jesus tells the slightly different parable and it illuminates things in a slightly different way. The crazy thing is he speaks about abundance and, and, and the increase that we can expect. And this is part of kingdom. Why am I taking the opportunity to stress this? Because if we don't have a mindset that anticipates that the Lord wants to us to engage in activities that are going to re result in increase. And if we don't have a mindset that the kingdom is about abundance, we're going to be heading in the wrong direction. And in fact, we're going to judge people incorrectly based on this world's standards when we look at those who have abundance and those who don't. 
And when we look at circumstances and situations in our own lives, we're going to not be stewarding things well because we won't have an anticipation that there is an expectation from the master who's going to call us to give an account. That's the whole point of the parable. He's giving and entrusting stuff to us and then he calls us to give an account with what he's entrusted to us. And he's expecting and anticipating increase and even abundance. I thought some of you might have been a little happier about that. All right? We do not want to glory in our lack. We want to glory in the one who gives us life and life more abundantly. And yes, we go through all kinds of different trials, difficulties, even tribulations. And God uses each and every season and situation in our life to work Christ-likeness inside of us. Absolutely. But it is never a sign of holiness that you have lack. Do not put your hope, your trust in riches, wealth. No, our hope, our trust is in the Lord. Absolutely. We've settled that. Look at all the stuff I've got. Actually means nothing. Am I relying and trusting in my pension, my house, my car? My, forget it. Nothing. Only trust in Him. Right? But as I'm stewarding things well, He adds more. And I'm not afraid to have abundance. I don't embrace a lack mentality as though that was the highest objective spiritually. All right. Think we better call it a day there. Hmm. Hopefully there have been a few holy hand grenades that have gone off this morning and uh, we've just blown up a few things in terms of, you know, your, your perspective. Um, you know, Jesus didn't mind offending people. And, um, you know, shepherds and pastors, we, we try to make everybody feel, you know, like loved and comfortable. Jesus, funny enough, at times, he was able to be very direct, very straight, call it like it is, and even offend people that they might stop and examine what's really going on on the inside of them. He told them parables that were kind of like, oh my goodness, let me just think about this for a bit. That's exactly, he wanted people to ponder, to chew on it, to meditate. That's the, the root meaning of the word meditate, is as a cow chews on the cud. It's kind of like, go back, chew on it more, get every bit of nutrient out of it. What did it really mean? I wonder what he meant by that. It's kind of like, hmm. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will bring you back to this parable again and again. Go back and look at it. Look at it in a couple of different translations. See what Jesus was saying. What did he mean by these things? Because it's offensive to the thinking of this world. It's offensive to different cultures. It's offensive to different ideologies. It's offensive to different political organizations. Ooh. 
Just lost a few people there. Go back. What is the Spirit highlighting? And then when we receive truth, we receive it with humility. It's not we go around and hit everybody on the head kind of thing. I know it feels a bit like I'm doing that. We're not to be running around trying to sort everybody out. Let's sort ourselves out first. As we sort ourselves out, we bring ourselves into alignment. Remember, 2020 is the year of alignment. Let's bring ourselves into alignment. Well, what does Jesus say the kingdom is about? Do you want to be a kingdom person? Well, this is what the kingdom is like. Oh, my goodness, I better change the way I think. It's called repentance, metanoia, turn around, think the way God thinks about life, about the now, oh yes, in the future. Because the kingdom is here, advancing. It's not losing in this time, it's advancing. Amen. Let me pray. Seems to be a good Christian thing to do. Holy Spirit, help. Amen. That's all we need. We need His help. Amen. Daryl, you better come and rescue the situation here. (laughs) 